You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony. Self-portrait as a house. I could be a tin-roofed house made of cardboard or gingerbread in Mexico City, mud and shit floor, yellow dogs running in and out, sometimes tugging on the baby's ear. Maybe I'm a house only open to the public ten days a year, hallways saved by perennes of gold velvet cord, doorways lined with plastic tongues, and maybe I'm filled with the curly-cued objects of the dead, who had several silk hats, some with blue feathers even. I could be in an apartment building, leaking the music of pipes, smoke detectors and screams or barks, and maybe I'm full of people with hair that won't behave, and maybe they're crying, but maybe a few are singing. Christine Ham is a PhD candidate in English literature and recently won the Mipoi CS Chapbook Contest with her manuscript, Children Having Trouble with Meat. She has been published in many journals, including Rattle, Pebble Lake Review, and Exquisite Corpse. Her poetry book, The Transparent Dinner, from which that poem came, was published by May Apple Press in 2006. Thanks for speaking with me. You're very welcome. It's a pleasure. Maybe you can talk a little bit about um, poems for you as moments, mm-hmm. as, as snapshots. And uh, I just notice such a momentum to a lot of your poems as well, if from the same root, we would assume, as moment. <laughs> just these sort of scraps that, that pull us along really fast. Yes. Um, it's interesting you say snapshots, because I think there's actually a tension in my poetry between just kind of painting a picture that doesn't have much momentum and a narrative which will have a lot of momentum. So I come from a background of being a fiction writer, not a very good fiction writer, <laughs> but nonetheless I, I read a lot of fiction and wrote some some short stories um, for many, many years. And so sometimes I find that my poems tend to tell stories and tend to build up in words and tend to get way too long so there's there's way too much momentum and I have to cut them down to make them into snapshots and sometimes I find actually in drafts that the best poem that comes out of a draft is something that doesn't tell a story that you can just see. Tell me a little bit about your revision process. Um, Well usually what happens is uh, I'm very prolific in terms of writing drafts So I write maybe five poems a week or so, Um, just in notebooks I have scattered all over my apartment. (laughs) But once the draft is kind of out of me, often I forget about it for a couple months or so. And then I'll just, when when I'm out of drafts, I will will go back to the books and I will um, rewrite them. And it gives me a lot of perspective when I come back after a a couple months. And sometimes what I was trying to do with a poem, it it actually turns out to be wrong. And... um, one of the poems, which is in here, um, called Animal Husbandry, was, it was very sad and kind of self-pitying, and um, it was about um, being betrayed by a lover, and I wrote it and rewrote it for like two or three months, and it was not coming around, so I just put it away for a long time, and then I finally realized I had to make the central character a dog, 
that. <laughs> Why, of course. Yes. That's what we all discover in our revision process. <laughs> Excellent. Right. And then I just found that that kind of transformation really made the poem take off. But um, So I think the most important thing about revision is to put it away for a while and then go back and not be scared when you go back to just totally take it in a new direction. Mm-hmm. Just use those seeds and follow the poem. Exactly. That kind of. Yeah. 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 Huh. Um, I read some interesting descriptions of your work on the back of this book. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. do you have any favorite descriptions of your work? Um, Being compared to Stephen King. I enjoy that. Wow. Yeah. I mean, um, Stephen King, he has some really great moments as a writer. But in terms of the mood he evokes, um, I I really admire what he can do there. Mm, So. mm. Yeah. I I could see the tone, yeah, Mm -hmm. in, in, in a few of your your pieces. I wonder if you would uh, read from us from Ping Pong, um, mm-hmm. and which I am holding. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about being included in the journal, first of all. Oh, well, I met Maria at the Palm Beach Poetry Festival in January, and we immediately hit it off because she's so charming and wonderful and such a great poet herself. And um, she asked me to submit, and I had seen Ping Pong. She gave me a copy when I was there. And I was so flattered she asked me to submit. And then I, I couldn't believe it. She accepted all the poems I submitted. <laughs> so that, that was really great. And um, there are a lot more recent work than what's in, my, um, what's in my book. So I feel a little more connected to those mm-hmm. now. Um, let me see where that is. Okay. Um, okay. I want to read a prose poem, which was inspired by my work at a drug rehab uh, mm-hmm. a couple years ago. Um, I was a social worker before I was a poet, and so a lot of my ideas for my poems come from my work there. How to take urines. Melissa says you have to stand outside the bathroom stall with the door open. Sometimes you have to hold the door open, pressing high up on the chipped pink metal because they often swing closed on their own. Some of the stalls have strips of torn fabric or pieces of clothesline to fasten around the corner of the door and keep it open. Then you try not to look at their faces and just watch what they're doing with their hands. Make sure they're not pouring in anything from their pockets or underwear. Usually you don't have to talk. Sometimes they'll say something, but you don't have to respond. That's a really, that's a really great piece. And I, um, you know, the you in there is, is of course, you know, it sucks us in. Right although obviously most of you readers, you readers may not have been in that position. Mm-hmm. And sort of related to that, I wanted to ask you about um, the voice in, in your poems. Um, do you ever maybe struggle with in writing or struggle with in reading, in the reception of your work, in terms of who is that speaker in the poem? Do people assume, people do assume <laughs> that it is the poet, but not necessarily? Uh, yeah, I, uh, well, coming from a fiction background, I assumed that the audience would understand that poems are also creations and not just simply autobiography, but people do not understand that. <laughs> um, most of my poems, I, 98% are fictionalized. They might start with something true that happened, but um, I just take it in all different directions. And the I is always a constructed character, not a real person. So um, yes, many times people assume that the I of the poem is me. Um, and um, it was funny because um, 
my brother took home my book of poems and had his girlfriend read it and she could not believe the stories I was telling <laughs> in the and she's like I can't believe this happened to you as a child and he said uh, no it's all made up because I take a lot from fairy tales and horror stories and so my childhood was not that bad <laughs> Well, we're very glad, and we're very glad to have your poems and to have you speaking in voices of people who can't write. Thanks a lot, Christine Hamm. Thank you very much. (laughs) You're listening to the Agony Column News Report featuring interviews, phone interviews, reports from live book events and festivals, and conversations with readers. You can find additional news, interviews, book reviews, and more five days a week at the Agony Column website at trashotroncom agony.